to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. So pleased that you could join us today for what is the fifth episode in our Your Questions Answered series. I've been loving this series, so thank you everyone for all the questions that you asked. It's really drawn out some good stuff. If you've missed it, you can you can go back in the podcast feed. Episode one was all about how we help to prepare young people for university. Uh, episode two of this series, um, you asked how do we turn up the spiritual temperature in our youth ministries, and we had a great conversation uh, around that. Then a really important question was asked about how we create accessible environments in our youth ministries for young people with disabilities. Uh, I learned so much in that episode. It was so helpful. And then last month, uh, we talked with Emma and Joe, didn't we, about how we help children who are coming up from year six, usually into year seven, to transition from children's ministry to youth ministry. So much good practical stuff in there. And today, wow, this is a really important one. And I'm so glad that you asked this question because you wanted to know how How can a leader care for their own soul? Because in ministry, we give out so much, don't we? Ministry, by its very nature, is about others. It's about pouring out into the lives of others. But we cannot give what we do not possess. So what a great question. How can a leader care for their own soul? And, you know, as I was thinking about, who who am I going to speak to about this on the Limitless Leadership Podcast? Well, uh, a friend and leadership mentor of mine uh, came to mind, Carl Beach. Now, Carl uh, has a long uh, track record in ministry. Right now, he's leading the Edge Network, which is uh, connecting with churches to plant gospel-centered communities, particularly uh, uh, in impoverished areas uh, and reaching out to the marginalized, to the poor, doing an amazing work there. Carl uh, founded CVM, Christian Vision for Men, and has been involved in a whole load of things in his ministry journey. Uh, and so I'm so delighted that Carl uh, was up for joining me because I get, I get the privilege of being able to sit with Carl every month uh, and ask him questions like the questions I'll ask him today and just to learn from his his wisdom and his leadership and I know that you're going to benefit uh, from that as well. So Carl Beach, welcome to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Hello my friend, good to be here. <laughs> so good to see you. Hey Carl, for those who don't know you, haven't met you, um, would you just give us a little bit of an intro to yourself, to your family, maybe a, a short version of your journey at serving Jesus uh, over the years? Yeah, cool. So, uh, hi everyone. I'm a first generation Christian. I'm 50 now. I came to Christ at the age of 18. Only went to church. I fancied a girl. Long story <laughs> short, she became my wife. We've been Go married on. 28 years on the 16th of April. So, I, hang on. Can I just pause you there? Are you saying flirt to convert actually works? Is that what yeah, you're trying flirt, to? Flirty fishing, I think. I used to call it back in the 70s. <laughs> so, I think it, it, was a, it was a brethren church where I where I met Karen. Oh, okay, and I don't yeah. think that was allowed. <laughs> no, so they were they were very very. Bible centered, but um, they didn't all look that happy actually. <laughs> Karen shone out to me. So, and now we have, uh, we've been together 32 years, and in total, um, uh, we have two adult daughters. Um, I did have a German Shepherd dog, much loved, that died during the pandemic, not oh, that's COVID. Sad. I have a Kung Fu cat, a tortoise, and a rescue hamster, and that's us. And I live in a, <laughs> I live in an area called Staveley in Derbyshire, um, where I, I minister uh, and work. Our national headquarters is here. Um, and that's us. Yeah, that, that, I think that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, so tra- track a little bit of, you know, your journey in, in ministry. You've been, obviously, you founded CVM, yeah. you've planted churches, you've uh, been yeah. part of the Message Trust, you've um, yeah. done all, all kinds of things over the years now leading up to what you're doing with the Edge Network. And yeah, lot, and, and, and in amongst that, Carl, obviously, this is a podcast for youth leaders, you've done a whole bunch of youth work uh, in your yeah, time. Yeah, I was well. a youth worker. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I was a pro youth worker. That's, you know, that, that was my, back, my background. So, yeah, so I I was about to join the army when I met Christ, and I, I felt, felt Jesus very strongly call me that he'd, he'd asked me to fight a different sort of battle. Mm. So I I went to uni, studied in building engineering, uh, came out in a construction recession, blagged a job above graduate engineering in a bank in London, uh, shed loads of cash for three years, 
uh, and then just felt so convicted about the gospel and the poor, actually. So I often say there's two conversion experiences, you know, one when God breaks your heart for Christ and the other one when he breaks your heart for the poor. So I walked out of the bank in 1996. Uh, My wife and I, we made it 22. We moved on to a council estate near Basildon, Bas Vegas. We planted (laughs) a church from scratch. Um, uh, And from there, we ended up uh, in youth ministry after leading that for a number of years. And then um, from there, I became a, I was a Baptist minister. Uh, After that, I went into men's stuff, not not because I'm the Jeremy Clarks, the ministry role but because <laughs> there were just less men in church basically and i just pragmatic evangelist but that's been a cause of my life so i'm still involved in that yeah i founded the gathering along the way uh the original men's gathering uh, <laughs> uh and uh yeah then i i worked for a time with uh elim and the message trust where i learned loads just so many valuable good lessons about network and movement and then more latterly um, realised that most of the UK church were a graduate class. I think YouGov did a survey where you know, 80% of the UK church I estimated have been to uni. I'm like, where's good news to the poor? You know, we just, let's reach these forgotten communities and realise that a whole bunch of estates and housing schemes that were basically overlooked. So we moved to one to make our lives here, establish our national headquarters, and then started networking with churches at a heart for, you know, gospel proclamation all the way through and but the poor so we call it reaching forgotten people in forgotten places and along the way still dabbling lots of other things uh lots of side hustles but uh that's <laughs> that's my focus yeah and and carl as we kind of lean in into the question about you mm. know soul care for leaders mm. you can serve jesus in those ways you know often in the margins of culture, often making big sacrifices for Jesus, Mm. for the gospel, um, for that, you you know, with that longevity, with that faithfulness over that Mm. many years, without having learned something about how you keep yourself, um, you know, uh, filled up and fired up uh, to keep, to keep going and, and serving Jesus. So, why, Carl, why, why for you is it important for a leader to give time and attention to their own personal well-being, to be aware of what's going on in their inner world and, and, and to ensure that they take uh, care of that? Yeah, I mean, I could give you some really well-rehearsed answers here because this is something that's often commented on. You know, you must minister out of a place of rest and peace, etc., uh, but I think I'll start by saying that I've I got this catastrophically wrong for many years. And if you are driven, which many of us who are leading are, mm. and if you're gifted and and capable by God's grace, and a lot of leaders are gifted and capable, yeah. and have strong force of personality, you can just keep going, uh, and then and then eventually you blow up. Yeah. Yeah, so you can actually keep going for many, many years. And that's my story that right. I was founding things, establishing things, raising up leaders, breaking tough ground, you know, taking on ministry areas that weren't fashionable, like reaching men or church planting wasn't fashionable when I first did it in the 90s. You know, in fact, it was rapidly going out of fashion and it came back in vogue. So I've always been sort of breaking ground in areas that are contentious or not popular. And you just grit your teeth and plow on and then you blow up. So if you first thing is, if you want to avoid blowing up and trashing your life and hurting those around you, you you can't just think, yo, I'm feeling tired now, you know, I need to stop. You actually need to build in rhythm and lifestyle mm. that stops you even getting anywhere near that. And that's taken me years to understand. And you can still be highly productive break ground, take on contentious ministry issues, deal with conflict, you know, do all the stuff you've got to do, but do it out of a place of peace and rest. So why is it important? Uh, If you still want to be in ministry after 25, 26 years like I am, learn a lesson faster than I did, or the wheels will come off. And they don't all come off in the same way. They come off in different ways to different people. Um, it's about staying on the centre of the narrow path, isn't it? And you can only do that with with 
uh, with a heart full of peace, I think. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and you mentioned there, you know, I guess some of the, I guess the I, what, what what would be the kind of headline dangers of not giving proper attention to this stuff and to our to our inner world and to the state of our heart and our soul and and rest and peace and those kind of things. Um, you know, the big blow up, like you keep going until suddenly you just can't go anymore and, and the wheels come off. Or I guess the other side of that coin is the is the big moral failure. You know, you just yeah. you, you you didn't have the internal character to mm. uphold your external calling and you know there was the big moral crash but it's not just those big kind of blow up you know blow out moments is it it the when we don't give attention to this stuff i think there's some there are some uh maybe some red flags or there are some things along the way which just aren't ticking over quite right if we don't if we don't have those rhythms that you mentioned what are some of those things? What are some of maybe the smaller things that are dangers for, for leaders um, that that can be the result? You know, it's not, you know, even if it doesn't result in the big burnout or, or the big, you know, moral failure, you know, it, it, it's still not a leadership place we want to be in, is it? Yeah, and mentioning the small things is, is the critical thing. So I, I don't. I think it's very rare for a leader to wake up in the morning and say, "Oh, I think I'm going to commit adultery today," right? Or I'm going to have a drink problem, or yeah. you know, I'm going to fall out of my family completely, or I'm going to start cheesing people off and trash people's lives because I'm losing a plot, or even you, I'm going to quit. Yeah, it yeah. happens over a very long period of time, and so yeah. what we see in the headline news in like. The, you know, the big Christian media piece, this national global leader blew up. That happened many years ago. So the narrow path is narrow. And what most leaders do is they go one degree off course. Mm. So, you you know, if I fly from Heathrow, I'm told by an RAF pilot friend of mine, if you fly <laughs> from Heathrow to Vancouver, one degree off course, you'll miss the airport by a couple of hundred miles. Mm. Uh, over the other side of the Atlantic, just by going one degree off course. You won't even yeah. see the runway. Now, that's what happens to a Christian leader. And I think what happens is that through stress and pressure or lack of self-care or attention to their, their own relationship with Christ, they start to numb and blunt the edge of the path. I'll tread it down. You know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a bit of a king gardener, as you know, mate, and I do like a nice <laughs> edge on my lawn. So if you start to tread that down, it starts to blend into the flower bed. You know, you can blend the edge of the path. So, you know, how much you're drinking or what kind of jokes you're telling or where your eyes are wandering, uh, all those sorts of things. And it might not be like massively toxic sin, but it's it's a degree off. And then you're getting away with it, and you and you don't notice you're trodden the edge of the edge of the path down. But over five years, ten years, maybe a couple of years, you look round and you can't see the path anymore, yeah. and you wake up in bed with the wrong person. Mm. You know that that's what happens. It's a lack of care and attention to your own life, and through stress and pressure, you you just start to wander. You you vaguely wander off the path. Most of us don't deliberately intend to do that. It just, it just happens because you're stressed out yeah, or you're tired and your eyes are off the ball, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you get up, of course. And I think, you know, one of, one of the, the dangers, you know, of, of not giving proper attention to, I guess, our self-leadership and our soul mm. care is that we, we just don't have the same, resilience in our battles against sin do we that is one of the things we just find ourselves weaker uh and not able to resist temptation because yeah. we don't have that you know that's that spiritual tenacity about us we're not drawing yeah. strength from the presence of god and you you know well that's the key yeah. that's the key thing in that you you are um you medicate in ways that are unhelpful because they give you instant results um you know like look looking at something you shouldn't look at or, or, you know, mm. that first alcoholic drink that you have and your shoulders go down and you start to breathe deep, deeply, that's, that's an easy fix, mm. a quick fix, but it can lead you down a dark path. You know, we've yeah. got a global leader recently fallen who, who admits that their big struggle was, was alcohol and, and prescription medication. Now, I don't suppose it started there overnight, 
That's mm. many years of dealing with huge amounts of stress and and a lack of you know good accountability and and self care. It happens in the small stuff. I mean, I yeah. you know that phrase "Don't sweat the small stuff." I think that's tragically wrong for Christian leaders. Sweat the small <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Sweat it. You know, take a, take attention to the, the very small things in your life yeah. and have good people around you to make sure you are resting. But unfortunately, most of the time. I encounter people who are burning out and blowing up. It's just too late. Yeah. 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 It's true, isn't it? And I think that there can also be just like a, almost like a, um, a spiritual dullness. Do you know what I mean? That's associated with not, with not being connected to the vine. You know what I mean? So, So it's, so, you know, we're not, you sometimes it's not necessarily that we find ourselves kind of you know knee deep in a sinful pattern of behavior or you know having a you know a, a huge and serious kind of mental health breakdown it's just that we lose our spiritual zeal you, you numb and well, you numb and blunt the presence of the spirit so ephesians yeah. 4 29 says you know do not grieve the holy spirit and i think one of the most chilling passages in scripture for me is is samson going into duff up the philistines and it says the spirit of the lord left him he didn't even know mm. now he had you know he, he was a nazarite he had his nazarite vow you know don't touch dead bodies don't drink don't cut your hair and, yeah. and god's grace was with him all the way through until the final vow was broken but the key thing is he didn't even notice and i think that's yeah. what happens we numb and blunt the spirit that the holy spirit is tender and gentle and it can flutter away. I mean, so we're not Christians anymore, but that sharp edge of the anointing flutters away and yeah, that's like a it, dove. Yeah. And I think we, we, we don't even know that that's happened when that happens mm. because we've numbed and blunted the spirit. So you can be talking to leaders who, through gift and capability, like we talked right at the start, seem to be impressive, seem to have the words, the gift of the gab, can swing a yeah. room, can make strategic decisions, but, but underneath the surface... They're drying up and burning out, and and the sharp edge of the anointing has gone, but they don't know. And then many years later, of course, something comes out. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I think so many of us can find ourselves uh, suffering with what I guess you, you might call kind of like a low grade burnout, which isn't yeah. which because um, you know you mentioned earlier about you know with leadership often comes like high capacity, like can do attitude. Yep. I'm going to make it happen. Grit your teeth, yep. get through. That's who we are. And so what, but what happens when, when we don't attend to this stuff, I find is that it's not that we can't keep going, but it's that the joy is gone from yes. the going. And that's, that's really and we just key. keep plowing forward, plowing forward. Yeah. But we, and there's this whole thing of like, what we're trying, what we're doing is trying to, share the joy of christ we don't but we don't have that joy ourselves and, it, and yeah, it's just and left it, us and so and you've got to look for it duty that we have to press through and you, you, do, you know, yeah. do you know what i mean well you've got to look for the warning signs in your character so and personality so yeah. for me we've known each other a while i am a rampant optimist you know i i, I see potential everywhere and i you know if a door shuts even violently in my face i'm like another one will open it'd be cool you know, one door shuts and open, blah, blah, blah. So when I get cynical, when I start to feel cynical oh, about things, yeah. then I know I'm in a bad place. Yes. When there's no joy, everything's bad, and I start, you know, I I, I never badmouth another ministry, but when I find myself creeping into that territory, I'm like, something's wrong. Yeah. And I, it's taken me years to understand that that is the red flag of my personality. Yeah. And... And then I start to notice I'm doing other things which are not helping me. Like, no, I don't drink anymore for a reason we could come on to because that's part of self-care for me. Mm. But I, you know, I think, well, I'll open that bottle of red wine or, you know, I just shut myself away from my family or I start disengaging. You know, I, I become more irritable. But for me, the trigger point was always cynicism. So uh, yeah. that's when I realized I was in trouble. So I try and stay far away from that. And as soon as I feel the tentacle of cynicism tickling me, I'm like, no, 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 I, I need to stop for a bit. Yeah. Uh, I think that's so wise and so true, Carl. It, it, cynicism is toxic for leaders, isn't it? 
Yeah, bad. Because we're the hope dealers, right? I mean, exactly everything that. we're about is hope. That's right. You know, everything is about reconciliation. Everything is about, you know, no one is written off. There's potential everywhere. Now, we're the good news people. So as soon as your life becomes about cynicism and bad news and things aren't going to work out and we stop giving the benefit of the doubt and believing the best, I'm like, well, maybe our souls aren't in a good place. Yeah. You know, and you need to stop. I have this conversation regularly with leaders. I'm, you know, I mentor leaders partly because I've just been around a long time now. Uh, you know, and a lot of people haven't been around a long time. And, I, and for, re, for these reasons. So I often have this conversation maybe a few times a month with people. You must stop for a bit. Just go to your board and say, take a month off. I need a month off. Because you cannot minister out of a place of cynicism. You can't. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. So so you've identified, Carl, some really helpful red flags, I think, for us here when we're not, you know, attending to our souls. Cynicism, uh, kind of that lack of joy, uh, perhaps... Um, sinful patterns beginning to creep in, not noticeable ones, but the wandering mm. eyes, the, yep. the, um, the, uh, the, the whole kind of self-medication thing, um, mm. which kind of numbs rather than restores. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's a really big thing. Like there is a difference between relaxing and resting, isn't there? And, and you know, I've, I, I just think that many of the things that we do to relax aren't giving us true rest. They may yep. be stop. They may be times where we stop doing something, but they're not renewing our souls. When we talk about how mm. to lead and look after our soul, like, and, and you know, if anyone's ever spent a day in their pajamas eating ice cream or watching Netflix, they know this to be true, right? Because you thought that thing was gonna <laughs> was gonna refill you, but actually, it turned out you felt worse at the end of the day. Uh, yep. than, than you did at the start because r- relaxing and, and resting aren't the same thing. Mm. So how do we identify, Carl, between those things that you mentioned, which it might be like a, a numbing, like kind of a self-medication, okay, we're relaxing, but and and the things that really actually fill us up and renew our souls in a deep way. How, how do we tell the difference between those things and work out what that, that is for us in our, in our lives? Yeah, it's a really wise and fantastic observation, actually, mate. Um, but, you know, I, 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 for me, if I've got a day off, then I don't, I don't work in an evening too, or I don't, I don't have a morning meeting. Because I, what I find is, just as a little aside on this, yeah, a lot of leaders say, "I've got a day off, but I've got, I'm leading a home group in the evening," or "I'm going, I've got this little, I've got to do this in marriage prep, you know, after dinner with someone." That's not, that's, that's not rest. That just means you got your feet up or doing something else for a few hours, and you find if you've got something in the evening, you know, that is not your a clear day off. And it's, yeah. your mind is you're thinking about it, so you are not yeah. rested. So that's the first thing. You know, the, the Bible says, "Keep the Sabbath holy, and, and stop doing what you please on my holy day, etc." Isaiah fifty-eight, whatever. You, you've got to have a clear day of rest, and 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 you like you must do that where you. You know, you 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 stop all activity and think about God a bit yeah. and, and love your family. Um, and many ministry people do not do that because they the Sunday is not your Sabbath if you're a Sunday church guy. You know, that that is not a day of rest. So you must do that. That's that's the first. Thing. And it's almost like a badge of honor. Ah, oh, yeah, I worked I worked a bit on my day off, like because you know because yeah, I, 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 re- I serve Jesus and you know it requires a sacrifice. Yeah. I mean. It's not a badge of honour. Yeah. Like it's you, not. It's ridiculous. Yeah, if yeah. you committed adultery or killed somebody, you wouldn't consider it a badge of honour. So yeah. why does why does uh, breaking you know one of the other commandments seem like yeah. it's a it's a good thing rather than a bad thing? Absolutely right. So I'm quite I'm quite firm on that these days. I and, and is always... it like it, with that? Because um, I think that's good. Like the the the, the Sabbath, God gives us the you know mm. you know uh, um, uh, Sabbath is not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. Hang on, wait. Mm. Did I get that right? Sabbath, yeah, I'd well, let's go Sabbath, with Sabbath, it. Sabbath, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as in, as in, the, the Sabbath is given to us as as a gift and as an yep. opportunity to restore our souls. Well, we so need it. Are you really strict around like um, email and social media and just digital um, uh, engagement on on your Sabbath day? Because no, I know not like me, that. 
No, not like that. So I, I do do things like on social media that give me joy. So like I have gardening social media accounts. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, not only a, not only a leadership like... expert, uh, but also gardening guru. Carl yeah, Beach. I'm a I'm a little bit of a bonsai master. I have to say. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but I am, but I, you know, I do disengage from work activity. And I yeah. do try to focus, you know, on I me, mean, our kids are left home. So Karen and I, uh, you know, we try and spend as much time as possible together, but particularly on our on a day off together. Um, but to be honest, that has to be surrounded by other rhythms. So, you know, I jokingly say to Andrea, my PA, if I, and it is, it's a joke, but if I can't watch Dickinson's Real Deal or Gardner's World in a week, you've overpopulated my diary. <laughs> So, so what I what I what, what I'm basically saying is I said to her, look, unless it's an international call, well, I have to. I you know I I don't want a meeting before nine. Uh, I'd rather finish my meetings, particularly if I've got an evening meeting by three. Um, now I'm arguably busy running a couple of different ministries and side hustles and stuff, but I managed to pretty much accomplish that. Um, I, I find I'm more productive for that. I make sure I have a, a clear day off uh, every week, as I said. I I I take time during a day, if I can, to think, because I need to think yeah. and think well and process stuff and work stuff through. Like yesterday, I had a meeting at 9, a meeting at 10, a meeting at 1130 then we had a community engagement thing from 12 till 3. And then there was a, an evening uh, edge community church plant thing from like 5.30 to 7.30. So I ducked out of one thing at 2 and I did pretty much nothing until 5 because I just needed to be on my own. And that's not a Sabbath day. You know, I just do, well, you know, 10 hours work enough. So I will duck out. And when someone said to me, why are you leaving? I went, because I'm putting my feet up. And I, so I, I'm not proud, you know, I, in this stupid ego stuff around, you know, I've always got to give a reason why I'm going home or a reason why I'm not working. Mm. I actually try to challenge the culture. So people know that I'm a gardener. People know that I like going, you know, out for a little jog with Karen or go for a walk in the peaks. Uh, they know I like doing lots of other different things and I make no bones about it. Yeah. And I don't I don't say I'm working all the time. My default answer isn't I'm busy. I'll say something like I'm busy planting my dahlia tubers, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so what's happening is you're you know, you're you're scheduling time for those activities that restore you, be that walking in the peak district, be that, you know, out out in the garden, you know. Yeah, and I like that, music, you know, yeah. I like vinyl. I've got vinyl next to me. I'm as you can see, you've got not me on video. I'm, surrounded by plants i like art i like reading and i make time for those things yeah yeah and i'm still productive yeah. i'm still running national organization yeah we're, we're not talking about being do. lazy or unproductive no. here are we in in, in, no. in fact in in fact it, it it's when you attend to these things properly that you become more efficient and yeah. productive and, you know, and, yes. and and vibrant in your spirituality yeah and our job is to hear from god and That's and make exactly. wise decisions, and you're not going to do that frazzled, and you won't do it with a place of optimism, which is so important, or yeah. joy. So, uh, you know, for me, what is productivity? As a leader, if I'm well-rested and, uh, you know, communing with God and my head is clear, I could make one decision or choice that could have amazing positive repercussions throughout the ministry and what we're doing nationally through one good decision I've heard from heaven. Now, if I'm sleeping well, eating healthily, you know, cutting things ruthlessly out of my life that are toxic, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be more optimistic and hear from God and I'll make good choices. That's productivity. It's not how much paper you're churning out or how many meetings you're at. It's doing things efficiently, wisely, mm. and from a place of peace, I think. Uh, you alluded to something there, Carl, which in terms of soul care is mm. so critical. Uh, and, and, and you, I just want to kind of pause on what you said for a moment because uh, you spoke about like you, your diet 
and, and yeah. your sleep. And I'd add yep. into that, like your your kind of exercise, kind of as well. Yep. You, you mentioned walking and, and jogging. Yeah. Um, we make a mistake when we separate the physical from the spiritual, don't we? Because that's yeah, we do. that that's not a that's not a Christian premise by any that that's more that's closer to Gnosticism and Plato than it is to Christianity and Jesus. Yep. But actually, what we do with our body impacts our soul, and we cannot separate the two. So actually having a, you know, eating good stuff and not putting rubbish into our bodies, sleeping well enough at the same time as far as possible, you know, each night, having a good pattern of exercise doesn't mean everyone needs to be an athlete, but just having a good pattern of... No, and you know, I'm far from that, but I'm healthy. Yeah. You know. But these things have a huge impact on our mental health have a huge impact on the well-being of our souls and have a huge yeah. impact on our effectiveness as leaders, don't they? These physical yeah, things. Yeah, huge. I mean, I might, look, I mean, Karen and I are, 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 are teetotal now and, you know, Karen's a pescatarian, so she's very keen on her diet. I've got a daughter who's a vegan. My other daughter, tattoo artist daughter, is a rampant carnivore, so I can't go all the way just... <laughs> Um, but we, but we, so, so, so you, you go out with that daughter when you want a steak. Is that the idea? That's yeah. it, mate. You have an honor to eat some of my pizza. So, um, yeah, we, we, we it took us time to get to this. Um, you know, we know we're not an angelic family. It took us time to, to work this through. And I think, you know, turning 50 was, you know, an eye opener or at least approaching that age. But I did realize many years ago that if I'm, you know, I've got fresh blood going around my system, if I'm not living life in an alcohol haze, if I've got mm. good vitamins going inside of me and I'm I'm rested, I'm I'm a happier person. The bottom line is, mate, I you know, I do this because Jesus loves me. Mm. And I want to be the best version of myself in order to fulfill what I want to do for him and Good. be the best version of myself for my family and my kids. Yeah. And I realized that there were things in my life that were not making me the best version of myself primarily. So I eliminated them Yeah. and I'm a happier guy for it without yeah. a doubt. You've mentioned a couple of times sobriety, Carl, mm. and I know that um, that's a fairly kind of recent uh, Six choice that you've yeah. made. And mm. so I'd love to hear about that and why. But it's not just that, is it, that you, you've invited uh, – you've started a bit of a Facebook group, haven't you, and invited – I have, the, Sober Leader, yeah. Yeah, to join you in a bit of a sobriety uh, journey. Uh, it's, it's related to this soul care issue. Oh, it really is. So, yeah. so talk to me about that. Well, let me just say, so I'm six months into this, and I'll, I'll, you know, as far as I can say, by God's grace, I'll never drink alcohol again. And – Partly that was because I wanted to be the best version of myself I could be. I wasn't addicted to alcohol, just to be clear. Uh, well, I wanted to be the best version of myself I could be. and But also I noticed that there were a lot of leaders who were medicating with alcohol, mm. and um, some were alcoholic and alcohol-dependent. Mm. Uh, and my heart broke because I, I realised that ministry is brutal and people are medicating in bad ways mm. and that you know there's started again a global leader falling because of alcohol recently had all sorts of devastating effects on them i've seen that happen i've i uh, every week i'm getting people contacting me who are nearly coming out of ministry or out of ministry because of alcohol the wow. church wasn't a safe place uh you know since i went public on this basically but the church hasn't been a safe place for leaders to confess that issue or, or find help but the primary reason was me because you know i i was not drinking every day uh, i you know i think well i'll drink friday saturday sunday but then to have the controls in place but now i was thinking why do i need those controls what is it about this substance you know mm. uh, a member of my family uh, suffered greatly at the hands of an alcoholic uh, which made me start to question my relationship with alcohol even further over a period of about two two and a half years and i realized you know alcohol is basically a depressant uh, ethanol is a poison there's not one one alcoholic drink even one will will harm you will harm you physically um but more than that you know you 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 end up sort of numbing and blunting god's spirit you know you have a few drinks you're falling asleep on the sofa you, you disengage um it causes all sorts of issues in society as well so i'm like yeah yeah no well, i'm i'm done with this i mean it causes costs the nhs 
millions, if mm. you know, huge amount, hundreds of millions a year. Uh, most, I think, over fifty percent of violent crime is is alcohol related, and then you've got all these people struggling with it. And I work in an area where there's loads of addiction, so I'm like, I'm done with this. And I think we need more leaders making that stand. But in terms of self care, let me tell you a remarkable thing, right? So I wasn't drinking that much. Uh, I, I'm not a moderate person. So, I, you know, I always found it a struggle to leave half a bottle of wine untouched because I always think, well, why not just finish it? You know, I'm like that with everything. Everything's extreme. You know, I don't, I don't just create a movement to not drink. I, have to, I don't just stop drinking. I create a movement around it. You know, I mean, everything I do is, has to go up a notch. <laughs> uh, so I have to, to recognise that. But I stopped drinking. And after about a month, I woke up one morning. I just felt awesome. Like, like wow, I, just, I feel amazing. Like, I feel amazing. And this feeling just kept going on, like, for days and days, weeks and weeks. Just feel, wow, I just feel amazing. So um, I looked it up. I put it in Google. Do you feel amazing? You're awesome. I put it in something like that. And it came up with this thing called pink clouding, which I'd never heard of before. And it actually is a medical syndrome. And basically, alcohol knocks out um, part of your brain when you're drinking, which gives you the ability to care about people and things. Wow. So the, the, it actually chemically damages you when you're drinking. You, and I think for a Christian, this is really serious. You do things that are wrong, but you know they're wrong, but you don't care. Alcohol removes your ability to care about people and things. You get off with someone in a club when you're married. You know it's wrong, but you do because you don't care because you're drunk. That's what it does. But also it puts a haze in your life. And when you stop drinking, your brain normalizes. So this feeling of awesome is actually how you should be feeling yeah. all the time. But yeah. the alcohol's numbed it. Yeah. So why would I drink again? Because I feel absolutely amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to ever go back to feeling rubbish. So, so but for me, that yeah. was soul care. You know, I'm not yeah. I'm not a nice person when I've had a drink, even one drink. You know, I start to feel sleepy, I'm disengaged. It's poison. I'm like, no, I don't want that. Mm. But also I wanted to stand in authority of people, you know, yeah. who are struggling. But eliminate the things that cause you trouble. Yeah. And yeah. make that, yourself that's accountable. The principle, that, that's it? the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Really good. Um, Carl, there's, there's maybe just a couple more things that I, mm. I, I want to touch on before we, we, we wrap up here. Um, one of those is, is something that you alluded to earlier uh, when you mentioned uh hey you know i just kind of like you know i had an evening meeting so i kind of you know i checked out at two and you know put my feet mm. up for a bit and yeah mm. now i'm conscious of leaders listening who um could be in a couple of different situations um and i see this more often than i really want to um one is that full-time youth leader who might have a 37 hour a week contract, mm. but the real expectation is that they work 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. So you, you've got an, you've got evening with youth tonight. Well, you should still be in the office all day long. Yeah. Uh, you've got a, you know, you, you've, you've got Sundays. Yeah. Well, Sundays is, is voluntary really. So you should still yeah. be here on a Friday. And I see that so often, particularly the, you know, particularly the thing with it, you know, you've got evening, like, there's a lot of evening work involved in youth ministry. Huge. But, you know, it, it the, the un, well, sometimes spoken, but often unspoken expectation is you, you can't do what you've just suggested. And because those people are, because the, you know, our listeners are those who are, you know, in majoritively they're in churches, they're under authority. They don't get to make that choice. The other is the part-time, the, the, the youth leader who's paid part-time, but is expected to work full-time. Mm. And again, I see a lot of that. And mm. of course the justification for that is, well, it's ministry. This is what we do. Uh, or yeah. it's, for, it's for Jesus. This, you know, it's for the gospel. It's just, it's the sacrifice we make. Mm. And there is, uh, I see so much more of that than I, then I would really want to, what would your wisdom be for the leader who's in that situation where the expectation, whether it's spoken or unspoken is, is in, is in one of those two ways. A few things to say on this. So um, when I was a, a student pastor and youth worker, I actually had the, the treasurer 
who's a large church, say to me, look, I'm a senior manager in Barclays, and when I get home, I do my church stuff, you know. So why, you know, why can't you? Basically, why can't you grind yourself into the ground? And what yeah. I said to, and what, what I said to him was, yeah, but the difference to me and you is that I could get a phone call at two o'clock, six o'clock, anytime, and I've got to fuel in the tank, and I, you know, I've I've got to be ready to respond. And I'm for you, this is like a holiday. You're doing a different task. I'm doing the same thing day in, day out, day in, day out. I don't get the break of getting on a train for now and a half, going into London and having a nice office, and and actually having a salary. It enables me to go to the Caribbean on holiday. So, yeah. you know, right. I, I don't have that opportunity. I can't buy my wife or husband nice things because I don't get that money. I, I don't have the best coffee in a big house. You know, my life is different. I'm not comparable. And you can play them this bit of the podcast if you want because I think <laughs> it's out of order. Second thing is I think people like you, uh, bro, with influence, uh, need to speak out on these issues like you are now mm. and we need to write on this because there is a culture out there of even senior church leaders who forget what it was like calling their you know inferring that the youth workers lazy or the system passes lazy which is just grossly unfair yeah um and the and the the final thing is i'd say look let people measure you on the fruit not your busyness and don't be afraid to speak out yeah and 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 say no, I'm not working, or turn your phone off, and don't answer those emails when they come in. Yeah, don't reply to those texts. Just yeah. don't do turn it. Turn your and, notifications and off. I do. Yeah, yeah, and make it take a stand. Yeah. You know, you actually you can create the culture around you if you are fruitful. Yeah, kids are being discipled. They're using spiritual gifts. Kids are coming to Christ. What more do they want? Your blood. Mm. You know, so. Would they want a marriage breakdown? Yeah. So just 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 manage your time well and put your foot down and don't don't yield to those ungodly expectations because they are ungodly expectations. Yeah. None of us want to be our counters. You know, we don't want to be in a situation where why contract says as soon as you start saying that you're in trouble. Yeah. Just dictate your pace that's healthy. Mm. And we all go over the odds. I mean, and, that, and that's yeah. no bad thing every now and again to put a shift in or to yeah. give over and above. That That's a godly thing. But it's somewhere you can visit, not somewhere you can live, isn't it? Like you, 100%. You, you've got, a, you know, it's Christmas. There's, lo- yeah. there's a lot going on. Yeah. You know, you're going to put in a bit of a shift. You're going to make stuff happen. It's going to be a great time yeah. with the young people. Look, and I say, and, to and you're my willing guys, to do that, but you can't live there 52 weeks of the year. Yeah, and I tell you what I've said to my teams all the time, all through the years. For many years now, I've said, I don't actually care where you are. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're on a mountain bike. I don't care if you're in the snow dome in Milton Keynes. <laughs> as long as the job is done, as long as the work gets done, I don't really care. And if during core hours, you know, just, just answer a text or a phone call when I call you, that's great. But other than that, I don't really care. Let's get the job done. Because ministry is, is a job like no other. Mm. it's it's vocational it's it's all of your life it consumes your your waking thoughts it, it penetrates your dreams yeah. you know and uh and and we do it because jesus loves us and because we're we're longing and longing for these young people's lives to be transformed and mm. their destinies changed it's a big thing but you must have a place of rest and if you're listening to this and you're feeling cynical then you're not in a place of rest yeah and you know and if you're feeling angry deep down about your leaders or your board then have the conversation yeah play them this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah and email carl.beach at... <laughs> yeah, i mean look i mean i've been around a fair old time in ministry now you know i planted a church when i was 24 i'm i'm 50 now and i'm still going mm. i nearly wasn't yeah you know i've nearly hit the wall several times and had to stop some of that was external environmental factors, and some of it is my lack of self-care. So learn from a, an older bloke who's still going. Mm. Rest. Yeah, yeah. And and I think just one of the, uh, well, not one of the, I, I think the most important factor in this soul care conversation is our intimacy with Jesus. Yeah. Isn't it? And it's yeah, you, uh, undeniably and absolutely critical. And you've got to do it. You've got to work out a way that works for you. Yeah. 
but it's talk, critical. Talk, talk to me about some of your, the spiritual practices that you employ, Carl, that, that keep you close to Jesus and just aware of and awake to his presence with you throughout the day and keep you attentive to his his voice and you know we know it's those who are connected to the vine that will bear much fruit we know that it's in his it's in his presence yeah. that we take his yoke upon us is easy is easy yoke you know um so what are some of the practices for you the rhythms that you mentioned earlier for you that that that, that keep you keep you alive to jesus presence with you yeah so i have a, a personal well, it's wide-ranging but i have a personal ethic around uh, simplicity, sobriety, and service. So I, I choose to lead as simple a life as possible. We don't chase possessions and things. Um, and that's that's been something we've been working on for, for many years. And we try and live as humbly as possible because, not because I'm trying to be a saint, but because simplicity avoids complexity and stress. Yeah, the less you right. own, the less stress you have. So that's that's important. Uh, sobriety for me in food and alcohol and all that kind of stuff means I'm sober-minded and alert, according to one Peter. That that's you know making good decisions and you know you sleep well, devoid of toxins. You know you yeah. sleep better, you you wake better, and serving other people and serving your community intentionally outside of any normal ministry stuff like joining a community little pig and spending you know. Um, just set up another uh, another project that's you know, an autism support group. I haven't got autistic kids, but I'm just trying to serve and help. Uh, it gives me, uh, it makes me look beyond my own needs in life. So that's that. In terms of personal uh, intimacy, I have a little routine when I'm not traveling. Uh, I tell you what I do when I'm traveling and when I'm not. When I'm not traveling, I get up, obviously. I I I actually get showered and washed before plodding downstairs in my pajamas i you know i i get up for the day and i and i before i go downstairs and do anything else i actually get freshened up and washed and feel good about the day uh, i have a coffee or a tea uh, and then i i read the bible or i listen to something um you know some podcast or something that will take me into word i have i use the dwell app um, I have a bunch of hymn books. I occasionally read a hymn. Sometimes I post them online because I like the old hymns. Some of them are heretical, but some of them are quite good. So I, I do that. Um, I then wander around my garden and my potting shed. And, uh, <laughs> I look at I look at the plants uh, and the seedlings in spring and summer. In the winter, I, I've got other projects going on. Um, but I do that because it gets me outside and it, and it gives me life. Um, and then I go into my day. I get up relatively early every day. Um, I don't go straight into emails. I don't always power mm. my phone up first. Sometimes I do if there's something that's interesting or I want to look at the news, but when I'm up between six and half six most days and I go to bed early. Mm. I go to bed between nine and half nine, mm. uh, and I, I rest well. Sometimes I sit there and read for a bit in bed, but that's that's what I do. So I'm not manic. You know, I'm I'm rested. Yeah. Uh, when I'm traveling uh, for accountability, um, I to avoid snags, I've got location finder on my phone. Everyone knows where I am. I always, uh, when I get up, I FaceTime my wife. Before I go to bed, we talk to each other on FaceTime. I try to follow the same rhythms and I'll share with her and a WhatsApp group what I read in the Bible uh, because I want to stay on a narrow path and no yeah. one's immune. So I effectively do the same things other than I don't have my hymn books with me. I've got one that I, I, I've got ones that I tend to, there's one, one that I tend to carry around with me. So I try to follow the same sort of patterns, but I can't wander around my seedlings or potting shed. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. That and gives me life. What, what, you, what you've identified there is that um, it, it is not to say to those who are listening, and so therefore everyone who's listening do what Carl does. No, do what's right for you. But what it is to say is that what what you've heard Carl articulate here is that he has a a rhythm and a practice of following Jesus and keeping himself yeah. alert to Jesus. So you don't, your rhythm and practice doesn't need to involve uh, seedlings necessarily. Um, it should. <laughs> but you need a practice. You need a rhythm yeah, you know, you of, of life to and look, follow I Jesus. Used to, I used to get up at 6, 6.30 and go to bed at 1, 2 in the morning because I can, because I don't need much sleep, but it wasn't good for me. It's better for me just to retire to bed and sit there and read or something. Yeah. 
you know, do, do just do what's right for you and make sensible choices. Bear in mind, it's taken me a long time to come to this. It might be your brain's firing up better at two in the afternoon when you need to get into the word and something. Well, great, but do what's right for you. But I do have fixed points during the week as well, like our community meals, prayer times and stuff. But do what's right for you. Yeah. But do something. Well, in a minute, Carl, I want to do something I've never done on the Limitless Leadership Podcast before, oh, wow. and that is I'd like to set um, our our uh, splendid listeners and heroic youth workers who are, who are listening to the podcast some homework uh, to help identify the the practices that will keep their soul alive. Brilliant. But I want to ask you one final question before I get yeah. there, and that is what would you say to the leader who right now – um, is just feeling battered by the last couple of years that we've been through and the you know the tumultuous events that our world has gone through and the impact that that has had had on their lives and leadership and ministries personally and they're you know m- maybe they're burnt out maybe they're not burnt out they've just lost a little bit of spiritual zeal and vibrancy and passion and maybe they're just at a little bit of a low ebb what would your encouragement be to them about how they can recover their spiritual vibrancy and, and, and passion for the mission and the call of God over their lives again? One thought immediately popped to mind when you started to ask that question, so I didn't know it was coming. If you're listening to this and you're near tears, uh, or you find yourself uh, you know, welling up a lot during the day, or in meetings you're finding you're not coping, you need to stop. Mm. Just stop. And and it doesn't matter. Don't worry. Don't worry about you know what that might mean for other people. You need to stop. Um, you need to talk to your board, your trustees, your deacons. You need a you need a month off. Um, the pe- people are really burning out uh, up out there. If you want to keep going for the next few years, you need to stop. The second thing is if you're just sort of at a low ebb, you, uh, the risk of sounding blunt, you need to go out there and get a life. You know, do something that gives you joy. Yeah, have some fun. You know, yeah. do fun things. And look, let's do, you know, between you and me, if it just means for a few weeks you do a three-day week and you take a couple of days out, you know, a few days out a week, do it. Because you, this is this is a marathon, not a yeah. sprint. Yeah. People are still going to be there. But, you, you know, do fun things. Eat, you know, regardless, we talked about, you know, healthy eating. Go and have a pizza, eat some fried chicken, go bowling, go skydiving, <laughs> you know, get on your mountain bike, get some fresh air. Do... Do what makes you happy yeah. and take that time. Don't just get, take, oh, I've got to squeeze my Sabbath in. Just empty your diary. Look, no one is going to take care of you other than you. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and they're not going to thank you and, for and, it. And it is a self-leadership responsibility. This it stuff, is. Isn't it? it's, it's, yeah, utterly. Yeah. And no one is going to do that for you. And let yeah. me tell you, from bitter experience, you can knock yourself out serving other people and they they will forget with the first bad thing that you did. So, you know, don't get yourself into that position. And they will forget the fact you did seven-day weeks for three years. They won't. It's thankless, and it's pointless, and it's ungodly. So, you know, if you're feeling a low ebb, look, take the time. Take take a couple of days out a week extra for, for a few weeks. Yeah. You know, just between you and me, you don't have to make a big deal out of it because you probably owed that time anyway. Yeah. Yeah, very true. <laughs> hey, you know what? Um, this is a real live thought for me, Carl. Even just last night as I was lying in bed, I felt like God was speaking to me. Um, mm. uh, just that we live our whole lives in Christian ministry and leadership with a view to build the often biggest, most influential, (laughs) most impactful ministries that we can. Mm. Um, And our whole, the whole driving force of our life is to do that. Yeah. And yet, when did Jesus actually ask us to do that? In, I mean, in yeah. scripture. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just tweeted on this, actually. I put a tweet out saying, like, you know, I, I was in a, this meeting with a national ministry this week. Yeah. And they said, oh, what's the big vision for the next five years? And I literally stumped me. I'm like, uh, hmm. because for the first time in my life, I think I'm at a stage where I'm like, 
I just want to help some people. <laughs> yes, and, that's and what that's I said to him. I'm like, I just want to help some people. Yeah, because the thing that Jesus has asked to do is is to be yeah. a person of love. Yeah, yeah. To love God with all our heart and all our soul. Yeah. And, and if you and don't to love do our that, right. yeah. And if you don't do that, people become commodities for you to achieve yeah. your goal. Right, and then that kills your soul. But don't you think it's interesting that that great commandment doesn't feel sufficient enough for most of us who are leaders in Christian ministry? Like we don't like like we yeah. would never say this. We would never say this. But peel back the layers or look at how we spend our time and where our thought life is, and we actually really deep down we don't believe that becoming a person of love of love is a big enough goal for us to give our lives to. Yeah, and it's crazy, right? I mean, God is respected, no man or movement. Only, only He's holy. And when we stand in front of him, we'll just want to know if we're faith- we were faithful. Yeah. He, he won't care if you had a 16,000-member church in auditorium. I mean, God has a, a strange way of bursting those bubbles and balloons. Yeah. You know, he'll just want to know, were you faithful and did you love me? Yeah. <laughs> and it's taken me years to understand that. But honestly, while I was sitting there with my team in this meeting and everyone's like look, looking at the floor, like, it's like a Monty Python film, like, um... Know, like love God. <laughs> hey, I think, yeah, we want to love God so, and people. <laughs> do you know? Um, yeah. Do you know that there's actually only three things that Scripture instructs us to make our goal? Go on. Number one is let love be your highest goal. Yeah. Uh, num- so yeah, let let love be your highest goal. Number two is make it your goal to please God. Mm. So love, obedience, and you know what the third one is? Not make it your goal to build a Have ice cream successful, influential no. ministry. <laughs> it's actually make it your goal to lead a quiet life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many yeah, of I, us yeah, aspire to I've just to been that? writing on that, actually. Yeah. I, so when we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, on a catch-up. I'm trying to work out what it means to, I mean, I think you use the word obscurity, but I, what does it mean to embrace the platform that God occasionally gives some of us, but also leading a life of obscurity and simplicity? Yeah. So I'm I'm reappraising all of that stuff at the moment, like social media and yeah, you know, because like the rest of it, mate, it's nonsense. Mm. And you know, it was, it was actually from a it was from Francis Chan book, and 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 the phrase leapt out to me. You know, when the spirit of God just goes. Boom! Like as making you your ambition to the uh, quiet life. Well, it yeah. said, and, and in this Francis Chan book, it said, it said um, uh, to uh, to fight, fight for impact and obscurity all at once. Yeah, and I was like, well, wow. I think that's uh, our ambition is to, is to not not be known, but yeah. only Christ. Humble yourselves. Yeah. yeah, and you know, anything we do should be pointing beyond ourselves to Christ. And I think if yeah. you have an attitude that says, "Look, hey, you know, Tim, if you see anything good in me." That's only because of one who's far greater than me, yeah. who might who's yeah. rescuing me, and and just keep yourself in a humble place. Mm. So yeah, mate. For the first, I realised for the first time ever, I've got no grand. Yeah, we're gonna reach yeah. a thousand <laughs> communities. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, just just hopefully, and I'm still being faithful. That's it. It's a faithfulness in obedience. It's yeah. a long obedience in the same direction. And I yeah. can't help but wonder if just re drawing our metrics for success a mm. little bit would help our souls to thrive because 100%. otherwise we're striving for something that we'll never really reach. And even if we reach it, won't satisfy in the way that we think it will. Yeah, but if we can become people of love and, and love God and know God deeply, if we mm. can live a life of, as you said, faithfulness and obedience. And if we can, as, as you've also said, just have that simplicity uh, of 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 living a life of love and obedience to God that doesn't doesn't require striving or earning or any or any sense of elevating myself into any kind of position of success. Mm. I feel like that's a place where our souls can live and love and and serve Jesus for the long haul. Amen. Um, yeah. 
Carl, so so much good stuff there. We've um, we've gone way off the uh, the course that we planned, <laughs> but um, really just good deep wisdom. And I've valued this conversation. It's been good for my soul. Uh, so thank you. And here's the homework. Here's the homework that I'd like to assign uh, to all of you listening. And it's a little bit of a, a process by which you can identify those things uh, that will uh, keep you filled up and fired up for God. I'd love for you to take some time with the Holy Spirit and to write three headings, and they all begin with P, people, places, and practices. And when Carl spoke about his rhythms, he identified all of those things. I want you to ask the question, who are the people that when you spend time with them, it just it makes you come alive. It brings you joy. It inspires you. It fills you up. You know that being with those people is good for your soul. Where are the places that you go? Carl mentioned his garden, the Peak District. But for you, where are those places? Is it is it is it a coffee shop? Is it uh, is it is it a chair in your house where you sit with God? Uh, you know, is it up in the mountains or or, or, or on 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 the uh, uh, the, the seafront uh, where you can hear the water? What what are those places? The places that you go that just again feed into your soul. And what are the practices? Of course the spiritual practices of opening the scripture and spending time in his presence. Uh, but what are the practices for you? Carl mentioned service and sobriety. And what was the other S, Carl? Service, sobriety and simplicity. Simplicity, yeah. Um, what, are the, what are the practices for you? The devotional practices, the spiritual practices that help you come alive. So, so write those three headings, people, places, practices. And with the Spirit of God at your side, begin to identify those things that help you to care for your soul. Carl, thank you so much for your wisdom and for joining us on the podcast today. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure. And, and thank you, all of you uh, leaders listening uh, to the podcast today. Um, just keep going um, because what you're doing is important and, and um, don't kill yourself doing it because you know as we said right at the start you can't give what you don't possess and so make sure that you you have enough being with God to, to sustain your doing for God make sure that you've got enough coming in uh, to, to keep you giving out uh, because the the young people that you're serving the team that you're leading uh, you know the best gift that you can give to them is a life that is overflowing with Jesus. So guys, keep going. What you're doing is so important. We're grateful for all you're doing to serve God and serve young people. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. If this has been a helpful conversation, please do uh, share it with another youth leader you know. Send it to them. Pop, yeah, pop it on your socials. Rate and review it if you can on, on, on your podcast provider. That does help it to get... Uh, into the ears of other youth leaders to whom these conversations might be helpful. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to hit the subscribe button where you can hear other conversations like these. And we will see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.